Welcome to the Business of Design podcast. I'm Cheryl Horn, Director of Operations for Business of Design. A lot has changed at Business of Design since this episode originally aired. For the latest information and rates on events and membership at Business of Design, head to businessofdesign.com. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody, you're in the right place if you are a design professional with many employees like our guest on today's show or a design professional who is a solopreneur who's working from the dining room table even. These details don't define our worth. It's an inside job, and that's the conversation we're going to continue in episode 64 with Bay Area designer and now HGTV personality, Laura Martin-Bovard. In episode 61, Laura shared some personal details of her journey from solopreneur with a baby in 2002 to her current status as a highly sought-after design professional with a multi-million dollar firm. Was the road easy? No. I don't think so. But if Laura can do it, if I can do it, then I assure you, you can do it. And you can get there a lot faster, certainly, than I did by standing on the shoulders of those who found mastery sooner. Laura said in episode 61 that she wants to share her experience with all of you so you can leapfrog past her success. I concur. That is how we elevate the whole industry. So this episode is a continuation, as I said, of a previous conversation with Laura Martin-Bovard, a self-prescribed divine hustler. When you go to her website, Divine Hustler, you can read her story. And there's also a tab that you can request to have her be a speaker. So if you're in the Bay Area, definitely reach out to her. It's a great idea. Even if you're not in the Bay Area, who knows? Maybe Laura will want to jump on a plane and travel to New York or Dallas or Colorado. Who knows? So reach out to her. It would be a wonderful opportunity to have the industry get together and have an authentic conversation about how to honor ourselves and honor our clients and all of those things and how they interact. You're also going to want to check out LMB Interiors to see the level of skill and talent this incredible team has. They are truly an inspiration. In this episode, Laura and I are going to touch on something that I think about pretty frequently, and that is self-sabotage. There are so many ways we limit our capacity to shine. We make excuses for not trying some of the business techniques and tools and strategies others recommend, Uh, excuses like, I don't have time, or excuses like, I'm just little old me. I don't have a team. I don't have a staff. I'm not on TV. Or I can't raise my fees because I live in a big city and practically everyone I know is an interior designer or an interior decorator. Or I can't raise my fees because I live in a small city and nobody's going to pay that. I mentioned in episode 61, one of my favorite expressions, it's this, contempt prior to investigation is the surest way to keep you ignorant. And what that means is if you're given a tool, if you're given a technique, if you're given a suggestion and somebody you trust, and I hope I'm somebody you trust, somebody you trust says, try it, then try it. You have really nothing to lose. Just try it. 
There's another way I think we self-sabotage and keep ourselves small and keep ourselves charging too little and not billing for all the time that we spend on a job. And that is this. We tell ourselves, my salary is supplemental. My husband or my spouse has a well-paying job. So if I only earn a little bit of money, a little bit of fun money, then I'm happy. Trust me when I tell you the money gets even more fun when there's plenty of it. It's empowering to build a career, I think, and it's disempowering to have a jobby because deep down you know that you're spending too much time to justify the limited income you're getting. And how many times has it happened that somebody's spouse has said to them, my God, you spend all this time working, yet I don't see money in the bank. What's happening? All of that can change when you decide you're going to do things differently. I promise you it changed for me. So I hope this conversation will spark the warrior designer in you. Before we launch in, let's hear from the warrior director of operations at Business of Design, Cheryl Horn. Cheryl, I'm back from holidays and I'm feeling so chilled out, but I have a feeling you're going to tell me we've got work to do. (laughs) You haven't checked your inbox yet, have you? (laughs) I don't want to. Well, coming up this Wednesday, you're jumping right back into it. Uh, We've got our next group coaching session. So Wednesday, June 13th from 1 to 2 EST. Uh, We've already got lots of questions submitted, um, but hopefully a lot of our members are coming also with with theirs. Um, If you are able to join us live, um, make sure that your audio is set up because we can open up the mic to you and you can ask Kimberly your questions directly. Uh, Otherwise, just send them to me and I'll make sure that we get them answered for you. Perfect. So the group coaching sessions are for those members who are monthly or annual participants at Business of Design. You can ask me anything about implementing or using the um, Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy, or you can ask specific questions about what's happening right now in the trenches on your job sites. So we're there for you. Uh, They're great calls and looking forward to speaking with you all on Wednesday. Thanks very much, Cheryl. Yeah, we'll talk to you then. Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Selden. Business of Design is the coaching community for independent designers like you. We know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate business challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses plus Kimberly Selden as your mentor and guide. Unlike traditional coaching, which can take years to produce tangible results, BOD is a fast track to immediate results for independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $67.50. Annual members save two months and have access to Kimberly's contracts. What are you waiting for? We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too. And now, back to the show. Laura, I was just so attracted to you and your vibe and what you were putting out into the universe. You and I had the chance to hang out together in High Point with Business of Design, and you were sharing some of your journey, really, how you um, you, you started the business like we all do, knowing very little, and how through some wear and tear and some blood, sweat and tears, you were able to remove some of the parts of your business that weren't working and 
kind of finely hone and shine up those parts of your best self that are working. And so I thought we would just start there, like the fundamental tools we need to take care of in ourselves if we're going to be interior design professionals. Yeah. And I would say also that a lot of those things that weren't working in the earlier years are the things that brought me to who I am now, because going through those, those fires and putting them out and seeing what I was made of and all of the opportunity that came from taking ownership and making choices is actually what upgraded me to become on my journey and my path to becoming who I am now. Oh, that's really beautifully said. And it's true, isn't it? Not just for our business relationships, but for personal relationships. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It really, I think actually starts there for sure. I want to ask you about something. We had a, we had a conversation. I don't even remember where we were sitting when we were at high point together. And you said you are a recovering sword impaler. (laughs) That you will follow your own sword um, sometimes as a solution to a problem, I think. And I want to explore that just a little bit because I'm sure I am one, but I just want to check in on what what we're talking about. Man. (laughs) Well, that is a big one. That's so funny that you remember that. I... I'm I'm a high achiever and I think, okay, let's just get this dealt with and and so we can move on. Like I want to learn the lesson and move on right away. And so I interpret that if I, and I don't ever, I think because I, I was brought up in a household where if I was, I tried to be hypervigilant so that I would never get in trouble because I, I would get, you know, my dad was, um, he was such a rigid personality that I thought, okay, if I, um, if I fall on the sword and I quickly take responsibility, then I can not deal with the pain of somebody being mad at me or somebody being upset with me. And so, um, I would throw so much money at it. I would throw myself on my own sword in order, even if, even if it wasn't really my responsibility. The fact is one of our key functions is our ability to problem solve. And frequently, certainly when I first started out, I wanted the most expedient solution possible. Even if it cost me thousands of dollars, I just wanted the problem to go away. So I threw money at it. However, with maturity, I realized there are a host of ways a problem gets solved. One, I can pay for it. Two, the supplier or installer can pay for it. Three, we can share the cost. We can negotiate the culpability and we can each take a part. And number four, the client pays the cost when in fact it's the client's fault, which is not easy to do, right? But that's infinitely better than continuing to fall on your own sword. And all of this gets easier with practice and choose clients wisely. We're selecting for clients that we know are kind. They have, they're trusting and they have discernment. And the reason why we want to work with kind people is that when big things happen and when mistakes happen and when product comes in flawed or it doesn't come in at all, or when they have to wait, we want to know that they're going to treat us with respect and kindness because, and, and our vendors, like I worked with a client who wanted every head to roll every time something bad went wrong to the point where it was like, you are so punitive that if I, cut off everyone because they made a mistake based on your 
your protocol, I would not have any vendors who would even tolerate working with me. Like we treat our vendors so well and with such respect because we've curated them over 15 years. We want to know that they are going to be with us to the end. And we want our clients to have the same respect for our vendors that we have. It's such a good point. It's such a good point. You know, when you're interviewing for new staff, sometimes you give them these situational questions. In the event a fabric came in wrong and uh, it meant that the whole project was going to be delayed by six weeks, what would you say to the client? You know, you put them on the spot with a question like that. It's not a bad idea to have those kinds of situational questions for clients. Um, I usually do that when we get to the point in the project Uh, And I'll do this at the consultation. I'll say, here's how it's going to work. You're going to decide which things you want to buy at step five. And then we're going to ask you for a 75% deposit on those things. And then two weeks before we deliver those items, we're going to collect the the balance. And what that's going to look like is you've given me 100% of the money, but I have 100% of the goods. And I want to know how you're going to feel at that moment. What's going to be at stake for you at that moment? What's it going to take for us to be okay together? And they always say, well, no, I, I appreciate knowing that's what's going to happen. And then I, I always remind them, there's going to be a hundred situations between now and then where I'm going to prove that we do what we say we're going to do. When we say we're going to be there at Monday morning at 9 a.m., we're there Monday morning at 9 a.m. And there's going to be a level of trust there. And so by preparing the client in advance for some of those moments where you know it could get tricky, I think don't you you kind of put them in a position to to be their better selves in that moment. Don't you think so? Yeah. I I think it's it's like an upfront contract or that, that thing I said earlier. It's like, we teach people how we want to be treated based on the stories that we tell them up front. Yeah. Right. There you go. It's like, here's okay. what my expectation is. And you use a third party story to say, let me share this thing that happened or, you know, help me. And, or sometimes I'll say, can you help me understand how you and your spouse um, decided to buy your first car? Or have you ever had a vendor who uh, went off the rails and how did you handle it? You know, if, if people are talking about heads rolling you know, oh, I fired that contractor because he was this way and that. You're next. <laughs> yes. You're next in line. Like that's a red flag to get the hell out of there. Yes, yes, absolutely. Trust your gut when they start to say things like dig in there a little bit and figure out what happened. Or if another designer was on the job before and I find out that I'm the seventh designer who's been there, I'll, you know, oh, yeah. oh, how did it what happen with the last one? And then I hear a story that makes me think, oh, that client legitimately has a complaint that's reasonable and she behaved in a lovely manner with that designer before she let her go. Or that client went off and I don't want to have to deal with that. So, so trust your gut in all the situations. I'll sometimes joke with clients when something you know terrible happens. We're not expecting it. Like, I here are my options. I can take Jonathan, who made the mistake, out behind the house and shoot him, or I can let him go home tonight to his family, think about how we're going to resolve it, and come back here tomorrow morning with the solution for us. How do you, what do you think? And the clients will like laugh and say, okay, let's, he gets to live one more day. Let's let him live one, <laughs> one more day. Oh, I'm going to have to use that. Oh my God, yeah. that's so funny. That's so aggressive. I can't believe that's my analogy, but there you go. That's, <laughs> that's what I have in me. Taking the time to really practice what you're going to say when things go wrong or having little stories like that is really such a helpful way of kind of diffusing the situation. 
I had a client, we had this situation happen where I think I put it in a letter to my younger designer. Uh, so you say you want to be a designer letter I sent you, um, where we had a, a sectional show up that couldn't be installed because it was too narrow to get down into the media room. Yes. And so we it's had in the letter. It's it in the letter. I, that husband called me and I, he never called me. The guy never, I never talked to him at all. And I didn't recognize the number and, but I answered it, um, which kind of broke my rules, but he, he answered, he was fit to be tied. He was just so degrading and I can't believe how unprofessional it is that you would make this mistake and blah, blah, blah. What are we paying you for? You know, he was going and I stopped and I said, listen, I need to let you know that I, uh, I, I acknowledge that a mistake was made and all, I, I take responsibility for it. And what you need to know is that it's not that a mistake was made, but you chose me because I'm the kind of person who will make it right. And I can't respond to you right now because you're yelling at me and I feel scared. And I don't know that I'm going to be able to respond to you in a thoughtful way. So I'm going to hang up now and take some time for myself. And then I'll get back to you and let you know how I'm going to fix this. But I can't continue this conversation right now. Wow. And I up the phone and my staff were all staring at me and they were like, oh my God, I can't believe, where did that come from? How did you say that to him? And I said, I don't know, but I couldn't sit there and get yelled at by that guy anymore. Like, I am not a 12-year-old in my father's house. I am not going to let people treat me that way. Right. But that came after 12 years of letting people treat me that way. I had just had enough. (laughs) I think we all have moments where someone is speaking to us in that heightened charged fashion and we don't know what to say. And really what you're saying, Laura, is you just put pause on. I acknowledge that I made a mistake. I can see that you're upset and I would be upset if I were in your shoes, but I'm not going to be able to respond in the best way in in this moment because you're frightening me, you're scaring me, or um, I I can't think when someone's yelling at me, whatever it is. So exactly. I'm going to, I'm going to hang up now and I'm going to really give some thought to this discussion and I'm going to come back to you with a solution. I think that's, that is so beautiful. And we can all practice that. We can role play that. We can say it in front of the mirror because it will happen, right? Sometimes it happens over the smallest inconsequential nothing. And you realize suddenly uh, like you have a client who's a rager I've had a couple of those where everything is great in the consultation you have, there's no clue that this is going to happen. And the first time one small thing goes wrong, they become a screaming lunatic. And you're like, oh, wow, this is so much not about me. This is, this is a very big problem. It's not about me. And that's a really great way to get out of it. I love that you shared that with everybody. Thank you for that. Yeah. And I, I'm wondering if um, I can ask your advice on something I'm dealing with right now. And maybe we could talk about it offline, but I bet you other people could benefit from it. I just, I think I know what to do, but I'm curious if you would do it too. Can I ask? Absolutely. Yeah. So I brought on a project with a woman who is super fun. I just think she is she's my kind of gal. She's a high achiever. She's a go-getter. And I love working with busy people because I know they can't, they don't have the time or the capacity to do what I do, but they're willing to pay me for it. So I thought, oh, she's going to be perfect for me. But I should have had, I could have had a clue at the beginning when it was so hard to 
to um, schedule the first meeting. Well, now we are, I think it was probably December. What month are we in? May, where she's gung-ho, I want to get going. I got to get started on this project. And we have managed to maybe get two meetings with her. And now I've walked all the contractors through the space on her behalf, and I've got the contractors ready to present their bids. And we still have not been able to get a time on the calendar where she and her husband can both be present. And I'm thinking, how am I going to get through a remodel with someone I can't even get to sit down and go through contractor bids with? And she's the one who says she's in a hurry, but does she really have the emotional, mental capacity to deal with this when her life is obviously so busy? She can't even meet, right? I wonder if it's as as simple as... Um, having that conversation with her. And also I've had experiences where clients are like that. And I tell them that because you're like this, I want permission to keep you out of the loop unless it's a really big ticket item. Otherwise, Uh I want you to give me permission to make the small decisions that are going to come up Monday to Friday. And And then I would follow that up with a written agreement. It like even something as simple as an email, just so we're clear, this is what we agreed to when we spoke and I would type it out and I would, they would have to respond to that email. Yes, that is my understanding too, to acknowledge in writing that that's the agreement we have. I wouldn't get them to sign a new contract in other words, but I would get them to have a written agreement that we both can understand. And that works really well sometimes for people like that because they realize they're just not going to be able to micromanage every bit of it. Mm-hmm. You know? And yeah. And I think I, she would probably defer. And I think you're right. It's a phone call and I just need to get her on the phone, I guess, because if I can track her down, <laughs> but here's the so, other thing. Okay. It's a lot of designers don't want to do that because what does it, what does it mean for you? Yeah. Incredible well, responsibility, yeah. right? You're, yeah, you I mean, you have to make choices. You have to, you have to make hard decisions by yourself on your own with the, with the experience that you have. And so a lot of designers don't want to do that. They, they, they will simultaneously complain that a client is micromanaging, but when you give them the opportunity to, to make those decisions, they'll say, no, 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 I'm, I can't make that decision. I have to have the client weigh in. Yeah. I think that is, yeah, either scenario. And I, I think that it's important to find the way that works best for you and maybe not necessarily deviate too far from that. And that's why I'm thinking like people that are slow decision makers and they they diffuse the momentum of the project by either being indecisive or not available, then my attention's going off to whatever is getting my attention that's right in my face, you know, that's like right. people who are eager showing up. Well, something else that we do is we will follow, when we're doing a big renovation or design project, every week we have an update. Here's what happened this week. Here's the decisions that were made. And if there are any follow-up questions that the client has to answer, we put that in there too. And every week they're going to get that for us. Even on the weeks, it's so funny. It just happened. Kathy said, we're wrapping up a project. She goes, I really don't have anything for the update this week. I'm like, that's cool. So my email to the client is, there's really nothing 
to report this week. Last week, this happened. And next week, this is going to happen. Enjoy the sunshine. And um, we'll talk to you next week. It's a, it's a discipline and it's a habit to remember to every single week, put in writing the decisions you've made on behalf of the client. You've got their permission to make the decisions, then put in writing the decisions that are made. And then if for some reason the client doesn't like a decision, almost everything can be redone if it's caught early yeah. Right. So that's another, yeah. I would say that's another good thing to get in the habit of doing. Yeah. We have, we've been doing that just for the last couple of months. And I, I, this, I'm noticing an interesting thing. The more we are in touch with our clients and the more consistently we've been doing this every Friday, it's, it's Friday midday. It's a sign off and this is what's happened and have a great weekend. It's a touch in people question the time billings less because they feel connected. And they're like, oh, they're thinking of me. They're connected to me. And so then when the time bill shows up, they're not like, I haven't heard from them in ages. And now I just got a $7,000 time bill. You know, I, I love that. Want to know. You're absolutely right. It, uh, they absolutely want to know you're thinking about them every single day. And it will make getting those bills um, less jarring. But I would love to make a suggestion if I have your permission. Absolutely. I don't love that you call it a time bill because you're not billing them for your time. You're billing them for your expertise. So what what do we call it? uh, We would call it billable hours or log sheets. I called it a home beautification invoice once. And the client was like, "We, we never got an invoice from you. And I, oh, I said home beautification services. That's what I called it. <laughs> and then they were like, no, it's the time billing. Sheet. Just call it an invoice because that's invoice. what it is. It's an invoice. Yeah. Invoice or log sheets. I think there's something about emphasizing the time. Um, and that's not what you're selling. You're selling a heart-centered approach to a beautiful, functional home. And yeah. you bill clients in increments of time for your expertise. I'm just throwing that out there. This will, won't be the last time we have you on the podcast, I hope. I think you have so much to share and so much to teach. And I would just love to talk to you when your schedule allows. Oh, I would love it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the opportunity and the invitation. I just could do this all day long. Uh, thank you awesome. so much. Thank you so much for being here, everyone. Make sure to check out Laura on Property Brothers, Brother versus Brother. She is an up-and-coming star in the world of HGTV, and we couldn't be more excited for her. Thank you for being part of the Business of Design community. If you love what we do, please show your support by subscribing to the podcast and rating our efforts. Remember, you can be a part of the podcast by sharing your comments, ideas, and questions via the BOD hotline at 416-780-9187, extension 107, or by sending an MP3 file to info at businessofdesign.com. And when you're ready to transform your business and your life, sign up for a monthly or annual membership. Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today. Start today.